So, this is a word that God has laid in my heart, totally unexpected. Um, can you all see me? Can you all hear me? And um, I was just wondering because I feel like there's no light on me, that's why. I know you can all see me, but anyways. So, um, the word that God put in my heart, and I really felt this strongly about two weeks ago. The times and the seasons are locked up in God. And he is the key. He holds the key that unlocks your next season. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 verse 11. 1 to 11. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity into the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Did you have any say on your birth date? Did you have any say when you were going to be born? So why do we feel like we can control events, times, and dates into our future? This is a message about God being God. And we are just humans. God is the author of life. Jeremiah says, before you were in the womb, I knew you. And I appointed you to be. So God is outside of time. That is what the scriptures are saying. He's we created time. We created the, the, that we live by, that we are governed by, that we are ruled by. Acts 1 verse 7, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set or fixed by his own authority. God sets the times and the dates in our lives. There's two Greek words that, that, come, that are for the word time. And that is chronos and kairos. Chronos comes from chronological time. So that is clock time, 1,440 minutes in a day. That is, that is what we live by, earthly time. That is how, not Sri Lankan time. Sri Lankan time is completely different to Western time. They come eat 11 o'clock at night, midnight. But Western time, we're usually kind of running on schedule. Then there's Kairos time. And Kairos means the right time. Everybody say the right time. The God time, the right season, the right moment when God appointed it, when God set a date before time, before you were born, that was the date. That is the right time. Now, 2 Peter verse 3. 2 Peter 3 says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So often it feels like a thousand years that God's answering our prayers. 
It does feel like that because his time is not, he's not in a hurry. He's not according to our time where we set dates for him and say, God, you need to come through for me on that date because it suits me and it suits my life. We have a vision, a dream, a prayer, a promise that you are waiting for. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's actually having patience with us because he knows the beginning and the end. And so when you're crying out to God and you, you're waiting for something and you're waiting for your promise and you're getting impatient, God is saying, oh, I need to exercise patience with you because I know what's coming. I know that it is coming. I know when it's coming. You just trust me. If you look at a lock, I was trying to find a lock, but I realized I took it off. If you look at a lock, a lock is a lock. I mean, you can try and pry it open with your hands. You can't. It's locked up. I mean, you can bash it and and you can do whatever you want, but it needs a key to unlock it. And there are some things, some times and seasons in our lives that there's nothing we can do to unlock that season. We just have to be faithful and trust God until he turns the key and says, you are now through. You are now out of this next season. Habakkuk 2 verse 3, the vision is for an appointed time. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely come. So when I point my finger at you, you say, the right time. The dream is for. The promise is for. The answered prayer is for. Your vision is for. Ephesians 1 verse 10. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and in earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Does the Bible say that he works everything according to our plan? Thank God it doesn't work out according to our plan because we don't know the beginning and the end. We've only had a limited lifespan in this year and God was before time, so surely he knows something. Surely he knows you because he knits you together in your mother's womb. Don't think those desires are your desires. God put those desires in your heart and so he will bring it to pass. But yet we say God is cruel because in our society, we, we think love is, I want something right now, and I get it. Now you love me. It doesn't work like that. Maybe God knows you a little too well. Maybe he is saying, just wait. I know the right time. The right time. You can't teach the promises of God without teaching about the timing of God. Because what we want to do is we want to take the promise out of the timing of God and then we interrupt his plans and do something prematurely. What does it mean to wait on God? You know, you hear this, oh, wait on God, wait, you know, what do we do, do nothing? Just, it's definitely not doing nothing. Waiting on God is an active stillness. It's an expectancy. It's waiting is purposeful. It has direction. And you know what? God's purposes are not earthly. They're eternal. And so when God is taking you through things and taking you through seasons 
and times in your life, it's because he's thinking of eternity, which our minds can't even fathom. We can't even fathom that because we're so time-orientated, chronos-orientated, earthly-minded-orientated, and God is saying, I've put eternity in your hearts. He wouldn't have you waiting there if there wasn't something to wait for. And God uses the closest things to our hearts because why would we even bother waiting if we didn't care that much? But it's because we care so much, because it's the very fabric of our being, the thing that God put in you. And he's saying, I will bring it to pass. I love you. Let God be God. Don't try and make your own way. Don't try and do it your way. Trust me. The enemy wants you to believe that the waiting place is a wasted place. And that waiting is useless, but actually it's useful. One thing we can be sure of is that God knows how to make up for what seems like lost time. We think, oh, when God's, oh, it's just because when it's the right time, it's the right time for him, but it's not the right time for me. The amazing thing about God is that we are human and he is supernatural. And so when he does something and when he operates at the appointed time, at the Kairos time, at the right time, you actually forget about everything. You just think, but this makes sense. This is the perfect time. I've had to wait for things, and it's been years and years and years where I've waited for things, and then I think, no, but it makes sense to have it now. now and then when God does break through, you think, oh, but it, at that time, God has this incredible ability to make everything beautiful in its time. And you think, but this is perfect, because it is the right time God broke through. Your destiny was created in eternity, but your life is experienced in seasons. So you don't experience it all at once. You experience it in phases. And we always want to skip seasons that are uncomfortable. We, we, we just want to go to the spring season where there's just butterflies in our hair. And, and that's the season we want to stay in. But you know, every season needs to run its course. And every season has its struggles that you can't see from the outside looking in. So we can visit other people's seasons. Oh, look at them. Their marriage looks absolutely amazing. You know, on Facebook, they, they say that they're there. They look in love. And, and you visit people's different seasons. And, and oh, that person, they just, they, they've got no financial struggles, no financial worries. Look what they have. I just want to visit their season. And you never see the struggles that they're facing. Because you have this, in your season, you consumed with your own struggles. And you then admire somebody else's season. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't want my season. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't want your season. Let's not be jealous of people's seasons because we don't know the battles they're facing. Every, even a winning season has a struggle because they obviously are in a winning season because there's been some sort of resistance that they've had to rise above and that's what you admire about them. So don't think that that came without a struggle. In every season, God has given you a season to rise above, to overcome, whether it's summer, winter, autumn, spring. Sometimes we just don't, we we see how high the tree goes when we visit other people's seasons, but we don't see how deep the root goes. You only see the fruit, you don't see the fight. Comparison kills contentment. And what are you saying about your current season? Are you speaking death over your season? 
Are you speaking life over your season? Are you only seeing the burden? Or are you looking for the beauty in your season? You can't always choose your season, but you can choose your response in your season. And sometimes there is a season that may not even necessarily be God's doing. It may be your doing. Bad choices. You know, we, we, we make our choices, we make bad choices, and then all of a sudden the demons got us into debt. You know, I mean, it's, you, you sow in bad choices and you reap what you sow. So the Israelites, what was their response in their season? God had just set them free from slavery and was taking them through to the promised land. But yet in that transition season, who's in the transition season, it's a very dark time. It's a very wandering time. God, what are you doing? I know I don't want to go back there. But I want to be there, but I'm not there yet. You've got nothing to hold on to. You've got nothing to grip on to. And so these, these Israelites were just grumbling and grumbling and grumbling and unthankful in this season. And eventually what was meant to take 11 days took 40 years. That is disturbing to me. I mean, we don't want to prolong a season. That actually should be a short season. But through our grumbleness and unhappiness, we are prolonging a season. That's actually just around the corner. So let's be thankful in our seasons. But sometimes you're going through a tough season. Obedience, God is faithful. Obedience is the thing that will take you out of that season that you've created for yourself. You say to God, God, I am sorry for my hard-hearted heart, for my bitterness, for my unforgiveness. Forgive me. I do not want to hold this against anybody because there's just no fruit in my life because I've been holding on to bitterness. I've created this season of, of pain for myself. Whatever it is, repent and allow God to lead you out of that season. There is a different season for every activity. Like I said, we love spring season, Song of Solomon. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers have already appeared in the land. The time has arrived for pruning the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, the vines are in blossom, have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come along. The person in this passage is just so enamored in their spring season. It's like, come along, come on. Do you really need a sermon to encourage you through springtime? Do you need a sermon to Does somebody need to tell you your response when you get healed? Or when you get a breakthrough? No. All I can say in that season of springtime is to be thankful. God, thank you. Thank you that I'm walking in this. Thank you that I'm in this season. I know that every season this too shall pass. And there will be another season. But I'm thankful for the season. We don't need help telling us how to act when we are in this season. And funny enough, we don't ask God, we don't question God in the season. You know, when it comes to God leading us into success, oh, it must be God's will. Oh, and then when it's, all of a sudden we're in some sort of um, dark patch, oh, that can't be God's will. So we need to understand that there are sometimes summer seasons, dry barren, silent seasons where you do not hear the voice of God. 
Now, of course, I know that you can, hear, you can read the word of God, which is God's word. It's him. Um, so we can read that daily. But I'm talking about those fresh life words that God speaks into our hearts. And then there sometimes can be a summer silent period. Not even a mirage in the distance of some sort of voice. There's just nothing. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced a summer season. In all of our Christian life, we're prepared to hear God speak to us. But nothing prepares us for his silence. And God's silence tests our faith. And you know, it doesn't take much to, to, to walk alongside some a fa- a savior who's performing miracles. I mean, we don't need faith for that. We need faith. We need to know that God's character still is true in those silent seasons. Let me tell you, in his silence, his silence does not mean his absence. I'm an introvert, so I'm naturally quiet. If I'm not in a leadership position, then I'm quiet. My husband will tell you. And so we can sit for hours and just, I can just be quiet. I'm very much present. Don't ignore me. I'm there, but I'm silent. God's silence does not mean he's absent. Some of you think he's left me because he's silent. In fact, the most intimate relationships are actually when you are comfortably sitting with someone in silence. I know the Lord is always with me, Psalm 16. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what God says. And God's silence also doesn't mean that nothing's happening. God is working on our behalf. Have you tried to watch a seed grow underground? You can't. You can't see anything, but it's growing. We can't be Christians who keep wanting to see things. We've got to be Christians who trust God. Trust God according to his word. Trust God according to his character. Trust God in in an unchanging God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why we started the conference with he loves us. Because that's the foundation. God loves you. He's accepted you. It's in, his, it's in this silent season that we reveal our hearts. Does he love us? Is he a good father? Our fears start to spring up. We want to start becoming in control. And we ask, why, why, why? Maturity realizes that we have to live by God's promises and not his explanations. And you should stop asking why and just start asking, what are you preparing for me, God? And if we're truly listening, often we find ourselves that he answers something completely different to what you wanted to hear, and you're quite thrown. So the other day I was, um, not the other day, but over the summer period, our church has been embarking on a building project, and so we were stuck in, in summer building up this project, and it was, it was just a, a, it was a dry season. It was a summer season for me personally, and a summer season... It was summer. It was 52 degrees. And we were just working so hard, and there was no AC, and it was just, we were very thin on the ground. Um, Most people were obviously away in their summer break. And so all day and night we were toiling, and it was just, it was just a really, really, it eventually, the heat started to drive me crazy. And the manual work and the manual labor, and uh, mentally and physically and emotionally, I was just depleted. I could, I could not go on. And my husband looked at me after I had a fight with the contractor, and he said, you are leaving tomorrow to be with your family. You can't take another day. 
and I would have turned into, I was probably already a monster. So then um, Dan flew me to my parents and uh, they put me into a spa. And anyways, Dan joined me later and we went to um, a little um, coastal area where the population was 100 and I just said, I am staying here forever. <laughs> I am not coming back. That's it. It is green, it is blue, it is, it is there's no people, it, the, the temperature <laughs> is just perfect. And then we go and visit a church there. And this church's auditorium was unbelievable. And the chairs were like movie theater chairs. And it was so comfortable and everything that opens and shuts was just attached everywhere. And talk about being jealous of someone else's season. I wanted that season. Forget, I didn't see any struggles. It must have been easy for them. I was just seeing my own struggles. I was just seeing my own season. And I just thought, anyways, and I wanted God. I'm praying to God. And God, I need love. I need word of encouragement. I need hope. I need just to get me through this time. And I can't face going back. Why did I have to be called to such a challenging city where there's not an obstacle once a month, but an obstacle every day when I wake up? Like, why, why, why? And... Um, on the second to last day of that holiday, God spoke very clearly into my heart, quite a firm rebuke. He said, do not retreat. I got such a fright when I heard that. I thought, I didn't realize I was retreating, but I obviously was retreating in my thinking and in my, and in my body language and in my thinking, I, because what is this? This is a battle, because retreating is a warfare term. Because there is a battle raging over us in our seasons. There is a battle, and I'm talking about a spiritual battle, raging over us in our futures, for our futures. And if we give up now, because we're not seeing what we want to see, we will not get into that season. We will not experience what God had already planned for us. I don't know why we think things should be easy and why we should just get things handed to us. But there is something that we need to, God has already got it for us. We just cannot give up. And we need to be careful. What do you want in this season? Are you looking for relief or are you looking for victory? Paul was looking for relief. In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's so interesting because Paul was an incredible man. He would walk in the shadows, would heal people. And his... And his um, Handkerchiefs would heal people. And in fact, he raised someone from the dead and he only needed to ask God once. But three times he asked God to take away the pain. And God's answer to him was not what he wanted to hear. He said, my grace is all you need. Jesus prayed the same prayer. Three times. Jesus, take Father, take this cup from me. When he was going to the cross, he was, he was so, the, the blood was dripping from his brow. 
please take this cup from me. Three times. But Father, not my will, but your will. And if you look at the pages of Scripture, you will see that there are people there that have surrendered their lives to God's will and not theirs, to victory and not relief. The tribulation is an indication of how much grace you need from God. God says, in your weakness, I am made strong. And we need to realize that when we ask God for strength, it's not like the world gives it. When we ask God for strength, they make us, you your own boss. You do what you want. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. You your own God. Make your own decisions. Hard-hearted because they have to protect themselves in this world. They become hard-hearted. That's the strength that the world gives. But what is the strength? When you ask God, make me strong, I have found that I have become weak. My heart has become broken for the things that break his heart. I have become not independent, but I've become dependent. I've not become rebellious and wanted to run my way and hated all forms of authority, but I've actually said, I submit to your will, God. I will not run from you, Father, because you know me. You are a good God. What is God looking for through all of these seasons? At the end of the day, he's looking for faith. Faith is the only thing that that he is looking for. And faith will always look the same. It will always follow the same pattern. Faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for. The absolute conviction that there are realities that you've never seen. You know, just before you see, we, have, we don't know what frost looks like here in uh, Dubai, but apparently when you're wanting to plant for the winter season, you plant just six weeks before you see the last frost. So you plant in the winter so that you can reap in the season after. What are you sowing in this season that you are going to reap in the next? Galatians 6 verse 7. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. You plant selfishness, you get weeds growing in your heart. All you have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants and responds to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life. Who wants real life with inside of them? Real life, eternal life. You can't expect to plant cucumbers and get watermelons. You can't expect to plant tomatoes and get oranges. What you sow, you will reap. If you sow in promiscuity, you will reap. If you sow in unwise spending, you will reap. Don't fool God. So what, what good can we sow? Now, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. You know, we often we just want to plant a seed and we just want it to grow and, and just be like Jack and the Beanstalk. Where it just grows and it doesn't stop growing and we see it in a day. But that's not the way that God works. God plants things in our hearts and he watches it grow. And we all start as little seedlings in our faith. And as we remain faithful and as we water ourselves with the word and the knowledge of who God is and his spirit, we start to grow. 
And we start to grow and we start to get bigger and bigger. And eventually we're these trees that we are healing the nations. We are these massive trees that everyone's looking up to. Because it takes time and it takes patience. I want to read uh, just a prophetic word. Louise, you can come up and play. It's an incredible thing just about patience and, and the promises of God. Louise sent this to me. I, I, we, I probably wrote to Louise about, I don't even know when, six weeks, six weeks ago, just to say, God's really put me on. I mean, we, we've known each other since teenagers, but I haven't, we keep in touch, you know, via whatever. And then I just said, so I really feel like I would love you to, to be leading worship at this conference. And um, she said, sure, that's amazing. And it all worked out. And then she said she was paging through something and she found something that we had written when we were, it was 2003, February 2003. Now, apparently I was sitting at a restaurant. I don't really remember this, but I was sitting at a restaurant and I felt God speak to me. And I said, I need a napkin. I need to write this word down. I just need to start writing. And this is what I wrote to her. God has brought us together for this time to stand by each other and encourage each other because he's got something up ahead for us where we're going to work together as a team dynamically. God has given us this ability to see things that are not as though they were. And if we are faithful to our local churches, then God will move us on to what he has for us. It will be big. And because of that, it will take time before it will happen. Twelve years later, don't even know when I've seen you. It's like, but yet when we forget the promises of God, God doesn't forget his promises. When God just whispers a simple word in our hearts and we just feel, ah, you know, and we're these little teenagers and ah, we think this is what God's saying. And then he just orchestrates these events. But what happened? There was a 12-year gap. But thank goodness it wasn't any time sooner than that. It had to be now. It had to be the right time. It had to be the appointed time. So, as, as Louise ministers over us today, those things, I just, what I really want to impart today is just a grace to wait. Who's waiting for something? Everyone's hands up. I want to impart today a grace to wait because your waiting is not in vain. In fact, this sounds very cheesy, but it is true. If you wait, trust in God. He gives you double for the trouble. He rewar- the reward, you know, when, when, when Abraham and Sarah were waiting for a child, God said to them, your reward will be great. Your reward will be great. Whatever you're waiting for. You're waiting for a husband. You're waiting for a child. You're waiting for a new job. You're waiting. You're waiting. But you're trusting in your waiting. Your waiting will be great. 